fourth and final hour of the week here on TSN 1050. Karolnik and Kuliakova with you. A request from Pino. This is the Kung's remix of Antihero by Taylor Swift. I like that song. Banger. That's good. It's I a mean, banger. Antihero as a whole. I mean, fantastic track. And then you add the special mm. remix as well. Woo! Can't beat that. I uh, can't beat the weekend in sports either. I mean, no. you've got the NBA All-Star festivities. You've got the Leafs playing Saturday night and Sunday against the Blackhawks. Uh, Montreal on Saturday, Chicago on Sunday. And you've got the Genesis Invitational down at Riviera. And let's bring in Matthew Rudy, who covers everything golf for Golf Digest. And he joins us on the program now. What's going on, Matthew? You know, it's great to hear you guys talk about hockey. I grew up in Michigan, a Red Wing fan since mm. I moved here to Connecticut. I don't hear it much anymore. So just to hear it a little bit, it makes me happy. <laughs> did, did you have a Carlo Koliakovo jersey back in 2013? <laughs> I had, uh, I, I wish I could say I had a closet full of them. I had a Bob Probert jersey. Oh, that's a nice, <laughs> nice piece. That's a nice Very piece. Nice I'm sure piece. a lot of Shanahan jerseys, <laughs> Iserman, Lidstrom jerseys. Uh, I would go with Koliakovo personally, although I only played one season uh, with the Red Wings. Okay, let's talk about what happened yesterday at Riviera. I mean, it was an amazing scene. Uh, the last three holes, Tiger going birdie, birdie, birdie to finish, playing with Rory, playing with Justin Thomas. I mean... I had an incredible time watching. I thought it was remarkable theater. What were your takeaways from Tiger's first round and the group as a whole that he played with? Well, I, I think it's uh, it's amazing to see how much of a struggle it is for Tiger to walk, yet yet he's able to hit the shots that he's hitting. I, I mean, the the generally speaking, the stress points in PGA Tour golf are, are flipped. You know, the, it's an easy walk, and there's stress, and actually pulling off the shot making, and he's he's managing to hit all the shots, but, you know, watching him go up and down some of those hills at a, at a place that's a really hilly venue, it, it kind of frames what the challenge is for a, a guy who's nearing 50 and wants to be out there grinding in a way, grinding away and competing. He's got the ball speed. He's got the club at speed. He can hit the shots he needs to hit. Is the, is the framework of his body, you know, the, you know his legs, his, his torso, you know, all those things that have to support, you know, that this is a guy who's had a couple different back major back surgeries are those things going to let him hit the shots that we know he can hit and it's you're right it's it's fantastic drama and to and to see it play out with some of the middle-aged quote-unquote stars like Rory and some of the younger stars I mean it's all you can ask for in a sport is to see the present the future and the, the past all in one spot you mentioned the ball speed for Tiger. He's at 180, which is above the tour average. He's hitting his drives past McElroy, past Justin Thomas. And for him to be doing that at any point in time is remarkable, considering all the things you mentioned, the injuries and the car accident, of course, as well. Do you think the speed alone and the fact that Tiger can still hit it as far as anyone? Because I think you think back to the U.S. Open or even the upcoming U.S. Open. like These are long golf courses, penal golf courses, and you can't hit it long. And Tiger has proven that he can. Does that maybe give you a little bit more optimism about the potential of a, I'm not going to say a win in the near future for Tiger, but at least maybe contending in the, on the PGA Tour once again? You know, I think you, you hit it right there, which is to say, is there optimism that somewhere on the schedule he can have a combination of, weather and uh you know relative hilliness of the course you know course that demands shot making you know, if all those pieces come together 
absolutely he can he can produce the shots that it takes to win. I, I think the the part that remains to be seen. It, it's a it's a tremendous amount of stress on your on your body and on your mind, not just to go play for tournament rounds of golf, but to get ready to play for tournament rounds of golf. So as we get through the season and we get you know into warmer weather, that's going to help him, number one. Number two, though, when he's, when he's hitting all the balls you have to hit to stay sharp, to be ready to play in these tournaments, you know, what's going to happen when he's playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, has to play, you know, early, late, or late, early, like these kind of strange tea times he has in, at his own tournament in Los Angeles, and, and you know, deal with that mental, you know, the, the wear of that mentally to, to go with you know, producing the shots you're talking about. I think all of us remember what it was like to be 23. You could stay up all night, pop up, and do whatever you needed to do. I turned 50 last year. I know I can't do that anymore. I can't imagine what it's like <laughs> at the level that they're, that they're playing. So, yeah, the, the short answer, yes. He absolutely can do it for a week. I think it's going to take a place where the weather is relatively warm. It, it requires some finesse to go along with just mm. pure ball speed, and, and he gets a, a favorable draw for sure. I think there's a place in Georgia. What's it called again, <laughs> Matthew? Uh, oh, Augusta National. Uh, that's coming up in early April. Maybe Tiger uh, will be a contender in that tournament. Again, we're talking to Matthew Rudy from the from Golf Digest. I don't know why I said digest like that. Digest? What's wrong with me? In any case, we've been doing three and a half hours of radio, Matthew. Please, uh, <laughs> please endure while you can. Uh, we we saw Tiger following the round yesterday. Talk about the significant injury prevention rehabilitation he has to do after each and every round he's talking about the ice baths and this and that and then on the other side you hear rory mcelroy's like yeah i'm gonna go hit hit some drives maybe tune up my driver a bit so i can get it past tiger and it does also show kind of the disparity in ability to prepare right like a guy like McElroy and, and Thomas and all these younger cats who can go out and practice and do everything that they need to do to get themselves ready for the next day while Tiger's got to go and have <laughs> like multiple doctors figure out how to get them ready for the next day that's a that's another challenge that he has to deal with sure too, right sure I mean there's only a certain number a number of hours in the day and you can either be working on your body and that I mean you know, if you look at any of the top tour players generally speaking they're working out twice in a day, they get they get to the golf course and they do a, a twenty or thirty minute uh, you know stretching warm up kind of workout. They play golf whether it's a practice round or a tournament round, and they do a workout afterwards. So that that's just the stuff to get your your muscles and your, your you get to get your body functioning the way it needs to. That doesn't have anything to do with hitting shots, working on your short game, working on your bunker game, all that kind of other stuff. Tiger has all of this rehab to do just to be functional. That's not to build more muscle or to, you know, to improve. That's just to tread water and stay where he is. Then when you have the ankle situation he has going on and the back situation that he has going on, he can't just putt for, you know, it used to be he could go out for two or three hours and just practice on the putting green. Those days are over. Not only does he, you know, does he have a back problem that prevents him from doing it, he doesn't have any more time because of all the work that goes into just staying upright. So, you know, that, that's really a, a, a piece of time management and it's also a piece of, you know, leaning on his familiarity with, with courses. And, and, it, and it's no mystery why there's, there's such a, an attraction and an allure to the Masters for him and for us because that's a place he can go and he knows the landscape. He knows every inch of the property. 
And he has such an advantage because he has such a storehouse of positive memories about that place. So the, the physical preparation can take more time and it's less, hey, I got to go drop some balls over here and see what these shots do because he knows that stuff. And, you know, that, that's such an advantage when there's a, a recurring major at the same location. Man, everything you just mentioned just seems like such a grind mentally to go through on a day-to-day basis. And, Matthew, I played professional hockey for 14 years, and I think back in my career and I think to myself, man, how much time I would spend and waste just getting myself prepared to play a game. And based on what Tiger has to go to just to play, wouldn't the easiest solution here just to be – Get a, drive a cart and allow yourself to take a toll off your body. I know he's a guy that carries a lot of pride with you know what he believes in in golf and doesn't want to be that guy with the exemption. But if it allows us to watch Tiger Wood and Tiger Woods and his greatness that we were able to share and enjoy yesterday, isn't that the best thing for everybody? Is just swallow your pride and drive a cart so we can watch you play more golf and be, see you be more competitive and not have to go through these daily struggles? I think that would be the best thing for all of us, but the fact that he's not doing that is why he's been as great as he has been. I don't, I don't think it's any different than somebody like Wayne Gretzky deciding that he can't, you know, he can't put on the show that he's used to putting on and do what he does. I mean, he could have played, you know, two or three more years and been a, a sniper and just, you know, played a quarter of the time that he played before and be a leader. And, you know, that wasn't the role he wanted to fill. And Tiger, the reason he is Tiger Woods is because he says, I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And if I can't compete at the top level, walking the way everybody else walks, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I also think hidden away in there is, you know, part of the reason he's grinding as an almost 50 year old near billionaire when he doesn't need to be walking around in 40 degree weather in the morning in LA and he could be on a yacht somewhere is, you know, at the core, a lot of players don't know what else they're going to do when this is done. He wants to try to extract every bit of it he can at the top level. And then if he's forced to make a decision like that to, you know, to decide he can't go forward and compete with the top players, then, then, you know, kind of climb that mountain when he needs to. But right now I think he, what he wants to see just how much he has left. We are seeing much, if not all, of the oxygen surrounding the Genesis Invitational directed towards Tiger and Rory and Thomas, that trio, which goes off at 10.24 a.m. Eastern time. But how about Max Homa, Matthew? I mean, the guy's leading the tournament. He's a past champion at the Genesis, having won it in 2021. He's playing as well as almost anyone on the PGA Tour. How long until we start talking about Max Homa in the same breath as the Schefflers, the Roms? and the McElroys. I absolutely have a soft spot for Max Homa. I did a big cover story with him in Golf Digest last year. He's a great guy. I've spent a lot of time with him, and his coach is one of my buddies, Mark Blackburn. And I was just with Mark doing a shoot at the Waste Management last week. And you're absolutely right. We've been spoiled, I think, for the last couple decades with you know a player like Tiger or like Jordan Spieth or like Rory McElroy or even like Scotty Scheffler, where they come out of college and they and they burst onto the scene and win a bunch of majors, win a bunch of tournaments early you know, in their early twenties. Max is thirty, and I, I think his trajectory is more of what the quote unquote normal trajectory is for a professional golfer. Usually, it takes three, four, five, six years for you to come out and kind of establish who you are and 
and, and, and get to where you're consistently competing in majors. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's won six tournaments in the PGA Tour. He's, he's professed over and over again that his ambition is to win majors. And clearly, when you see the way he's played in the last two years, he has the game to do that. And then it just becomes a point where you, you've got to actually go out and do it. It's nice to have all the, the, the pregame hype and the, have the betting odds sort of swing toward you. You've got to have a, a, a golf course that suits you. And if you look at where the U.S. Open is this year, he's a California guy who loves playing golf in California. This U.S. Open this year might be the best chance of any that he has and, you know, to, to, to pull that first one down. Just over an hour away until Tiger, JT, and Rory tee it at the Genesis. I'm sure you'll be watching. So will we. Matthew Rudy from Golf Digest. Thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate your time this morning. You bet. See ya. All right, see you later. Matthew Rudy. That was a great cover story on Max Homa. I remember it very well. And we were always talking about, you know, Homa. Oh, what's up, my homas? Mm-hmm. You know, like, he was our boy. We loved Max. And now he's emerged as a legitimate superstar on the PGA Tour and the yes. frontrunner for the Jumarsh Award in 2023. Nice. We love you know Max who else is, is, like, no one's talking enough about is John Rahm. Like, he's so good. So like, consistent. Look at the way he started this year. He's already got three tournament wins. He's been in the top five in every tournament he's played so far, and he's one behind Homa right now for the Genesis. Rom like, is so consistent. He's, he's dialed so right well, now. so well. That's yeah. our boy. That's our boy. That we're our go-to guy in our in our uh, in our Masters pool. Well, not in our Masters pool in all of our uh, yeah. Well, slam Rombo. Rombo shot fired a 65 for us on Sunday a couple of years ago. That was huge yeah. for us. And, yeah, I don't know who the pick is at the Masters. Amongst the top guys, I mean, Scheffler, of course, won the tournament. McElroy, I mean, he's got to get it done at some point. And you have Morikawa. You have all these incredible players. Of course, Thomas. I mean, Tiger. Zalatoris. Willie Zalatoris. Justin Thomas, the guy yeah. you love this Spieth. week. Speed's a past Masters champion. He's playing well What's this up, year. my homas? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of intrigue in the golf world. And I think Brian Hayes had a great tweet yesterday that I thought was really, really spot on. And hopefully I'm able to find it in time here. But essentially, the tweet had – let me read it for you here, Coco. Imagine being on the Live Tour, watching Tiger, JT, and Rory rolling birdies on 18 and thinking, well – Guess I got a big match against the Range Goats tomorrow. And I think that's exactly <laughs> it. Live is irrelevant right now. Yeah. And I'm stunned at the way in which this has played out. I thought Live would be a lot more. And they're not playing yet. I understand well, they that. They're not getting the coverage that they There's were promised. There's nothing there. There's no right? buzz. They didn't do like, anything unless, in the offseason. Unless season. you follow them on Instagram, which is what I do. They don't. There's nothing. There's no content being shared about them. They're not. You can't watch them on TV. They're 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 just. They're living their own lives, cashing their paychecks to the point Man. now where there's a report that Brooks Kepka is thinking about coming back to the PGA. Well, try, well he. It's not his decision to make. Would the PGA well, Tour welcome not. him back? No, absolutely another not. Question. They would. They will not welcome him back. Not not this soon. Not well, this I, soon. I also I think Kepka probably wants to cash. He's got two year contract, right? Probably That's wants to I take mean. all the money. Yeah, right. You can't just pick up and leave with your million with your hundred million. You've got to live out the term of your contract first before you can pick up and leave with it. It's just so irrelevant right now, and all the tournaments, all the venues, like. You think of the Genesis Invitation. You have the players coming up. Of course, the Masters coming up. These are marquee events on the PGA Tour schedule. Can you name a single live event? 
Like what? No. Like where they play? What? What? What it's about? I mean, it's. Uh, it's I know they have eight just... tournaments this year. I don't know where they are. But... <laughs> exactly, and that's exactly what I mean. It's it's hard to uh, to really figure out how they're going to make it work if they're going to make it work. Uh, you know, money can buy a lot of things, but not necessarily the golf world, and we've seen that proven so far with Live. Big report from Ian Rapaport on a top Kansas City Chiefs coach and where he might be ending up. Plus, we've got Mark Kestisher live from Utah ahead of NBA All-Star Weekend. He'll be calling the game for ESPN on Sunday night. That's next on First Up. Back on first up, Karolnik Koliakovo comfortably numb by Pink Floyd. Derek in Sudbury with the request. David Gilmore, Roger Waters. My goodness. We talked a lot about me playing NHL back in university. Was listening to a lot of Pink Floyd in those days. Also in The Departed when DiCaprio's doing his thing and this song comes on. Woo! I believe that was. Was it comfortably numb? I think so. I'm quite sure. Yeah, you would not know Coco, but. Uh, great film, The Departed. Watched that recently. Uh, as far as what I was mentioning before the commercial break, Eric Bieniemy of the Kansas City Chiefs has been their offensive coordinator for a long time. Has led the Chiefs' offense with Mahomes under Pat under Andy Reid, I should say, for a while now. And it sounds like he's going to be the Washington Commanders' new offensive coordinator. And you might be wondering, like, why would he? do this lateral move. It, it seems absurd, but he has not gotten an opportunity to be an NFL head coach in spite of being the coordinator for one of, if not the top offenses in the NFL over the last five years. And I think in large part, that has to do with people thinking it's all Andy Reid. It's nothing to do with the enemy. It's all Andy Reid. So he needs to go elsewhere and prove his mettle, apparently. Is that fair? I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous, but... It's like absolutely the, the, ridiculous. The fact that the Eagles, offensive and defensive coordinators, got head coaching jobs, and the guy who just led the Chiefs to a, a 38-point outburst against the Eagles, one of the best defenses in the NFL, in the Super Bowl, doesn't get a sniff as a head coach? I don't understand what's going on there. Very confusing. There's only one way I can summarize this. He must be a horrendous interview. I, I agree, yes. Honestly, because... He's been there. He's been the offensive coordinator through Mahomes' his whole tenure. We talk about Mahomes' greatness and what he's been able to accomplish through his first five years in the NFL. How has this guy not been given a head coaching position? It doesn't make any sense. Zero sense. And why today he would choose to leave a Super Bowl-winning team in the Kansas City Chiefs to go join the Commanders, who have Ugh. no quarterback. How no dare you quarterback. disrespect Sam Howell like that? Sam Howell, and To me, it's like, okay, you know what? You struck out again. <laughs> Stay with it. Stay with it until somebody actually finds the, 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 the reason to believe in you and give you a head coaching job because, again, like how does how do you improve your chances to get a coaching job, head coach job when you go to a worse situation? In so Washington? I think it's actually I think it's actually quite simple how he improves his chances. He makes Sam Howell or Heineke, whoever's the quarterback there, and leads that Washington offense. Okay, but what if he doesn't? Season. Oh, if he what doesn't, if he doesn't? Then, then he's then he's done. I mean, I don't think exactly. I don't think he's going to be a head coach. Anyways, okay, but, ever. but here's the thing, Ak. If you're going to leave the Kansas City Chiefs. 
go to a better position where you have at least a young quarterback there that you can see yourself working with. Like, go to Indianapolis, who's probably going to get the first overall pick and probably work with Bryce Young if they trade for it. If they trade for it, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Like, I, I just I don't understand how the commanders were the team he decided to leave the Chiefs for. Like, it doesn't it, make it any is sense. Very, it is very confusing. The entire situation with the enemy, not only this past offseason, but years and it, uh, it, being passed over year after year. It's crazy. And you've heard me comment on this, how year after year we're seeing coaches being poached from so many different coaching staff is, coaching staffs, and the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff has stayed intact. It's like, what are teams doing? How do you not, like, everybody wants to go from the Bill Belichick tree or the, uh, who's the guy in the, the, the I mean, the Andy Reid tree is pretty successful as well. It Getting is, back but to Philadelphia. It is, but since he's been in KC, who who has really established himself as a head coach somewhere else under Andy Reid's coaching tree? Yeah, no, it's it true. hasn't. It's true with the Sean McVay tree with uh, Sean Dak McVay Taylor. tree. Yep, and, yep. The uh, Shan the, the Kyle Shanahan tree. Yep. Uh, just the, the Andy Reid and the the, the Kansas City Chiefs tree of dynasty that they've created it's like oh yeah they just continue to get overlooked it's like what are we doing here <laughs> yeah i think a lot of credit hey, to andy good Reed. good for the enemy if this is if this ultimately is a decision that helps him become a head coach because it blows my mind how in the last couple years he has not even been considered as a final candidate for any of the openings that we see year after year it blows my mind Absolutely blows my mind. This guy's worked with the best quarterback in the NFL for five years. <laughs> it's a very curious case. I don't think anyone really has the answer. I, I would love to be sitting in an interview with Eric Bieniemy. Is he just like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing? Like, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense because his resume, as far as the offenses he has coordinated, uh, is essentially flawless and immaculate. So, uh, shout out to Bieniemy. He's got a new gig with Washington. We've got Mark Kestisher on the other side from ESPN Radio. NBA All-Star Weekend. Mark will break it all down live from Utah next. It's NBA All-Star Weekend from Salt Lake City, Utah. And I'm Aaron Karolnik. That is Carlo Koliakovo. We're fired up for the festivities. More so Sunday, the game, because our man Mark Kestisher will be calling the event, and he'll be all over the place in Salt Lake City this weekend from ESPN Radio, and he's kind enough to join us now. What's going on, Mark? Gentlemen, it's good to have three guys with uh, last names that begin with K that are yes. impossible to pronounce. I will take that over the Adetokumbo <laughs> brothers any day. Good oh, morning, nice. fellas. Mark, I will say Koliakos starts with a C, but yeah, Corona oh, K. That's okay. It's the cu- oh, the hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? I'll take a K this morning if it means <laughs> yes. it works well. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. Hey, it's not like no. we haven't had our names mispronounced. It's episode. all good, buddy. I, I, always, I always embrace it. It's all good. It's all good. Salt Lake City, Utah. What is that like for NBA All-Star Weekend? A good, a good host? I have never been to Utah myself, but, I mean, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to the kind of hype and festivities that All-Star Weekend usually has. I mean, what has it been like there so far for you, Mark? Well, let me start with this. I have been saying for the last 20 years there should be three locations, Miami, Phoenix, Los Angeles, end of list. <laughs> and that would be... What about Vegas? Greatest... What about Toronto? Well, you know what? We, we... 
We could add <laughs> Vegas as a fourth. Uh, I still have um, uh, nightmares from Toronto a few years ago at 20 below zero, whatever temperature it was. Yeah, it was a tough it, weekend. Well, I, I, we won't even talk cities. We're just talking temperature and, exactly. you know, fans coming down and hanging out in the great weather. But I will say this. Now, I've only been here for about 12 hours. And it's one of the most beautiful approaches on a plane that you'll have if you're sitting in a window seat, you know, seeing the Wasatch Mountains and uh, the valley and the Salt Lake. And, I mean, the mountains just frame this entire city. I've tried – I've been here maybe three or four times, and I try to get a picture on my iPhone every time, and I just delete it because it does not do it justice. It's a beautiful city. Um, People are fired up here. I don't know. People come in anyway. I'm always shocked. Whatever location we're in, and I lived in Cleveland for three years, about 20 years ago. So, you know, I could say Cleveland with 10-degree wind chills in the middle of February is not exactly the place you want to go to. But yet, you know, the parties went on and the people flew in, and it's an event. Um, So folks will be here, but I do know just from watching some of the Turner coverage last night, uh, there's a very young base of NBA fans, and they are looking forward to it. So, Mark, you mentioned about the excitement about being there. Do the players feel that same excitement? Because I think the NBA All-Star Game, when you try to compare all the other leagues' All-Star Games, is one of the most popular ones because the players are actually excited to go to it. Even if, even if they're not participating in the game, they still some of them still go watch. They want to be part of the festivities. They want to be part of the entertainment. Do you feel like the players are feeling the same way about this one this year? I, I think so. I think it's still a great honor. I mean, there's it, like in any of the major sports, when you are, you know, the LeBron James and you're playing in your 19th, or, you know, Kevin Durant's not going to play, but I guess he'll be here. And sadly, same for Steph. You know, guys that are getting up there in the amount of numbers of all-star games, maybe some of that luster wears off, but there's so much else going on, so many different things, you know, branding. And look, we used to come here 20 years ago and and we would do interviews with, you know, 16 of the 20 whatever all-stars. And you can tell like the media circuit is probably the least of what they want to do next to playing hard a defense outside of like the last two minutes of an all-star game. But I, I think it's still an honor to play with the best of the best. For me, the most fun is seeing the young guys who are here for the first or second time and, you know, get to be in that locker room with uh, guys that they look up to, guys they love competing against. But it's all the other stuff that's around, whether it's marketing, whether it's celebrities, movie stars, you know, folks from the music industry. It's, you know, this whole soup of people that come here. And I think once you're here, you enjoy, you know, the two or three days you're going to spend here. When you're wrapping up the first half of the season and you realize, you know, I'm not getting my full six-day break like the other guys. That might be the hard sell. But I think once you're here and uh, you're a part of all the other stuff, I, I still think there's some enjoyment. Our guest is Mark Kestisher, who is calling the NBA All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend for ESPN Radio. And perhaps a little bit of a wrench thrown into the entire weekend, Mark, last night with Giannis Antetokounmpo going down with that wrist injury because he's one of the captains, right? He and LeBron are drafting the team's for the game on Sunday before the game takes place. Like, what is the contingency plan if Giannis is injured and unable to play? Yeah, that's, uh, that was the, he's also, he and his brothers are uh, in the skills challenge like they were last year. Giannis yeah. and Thanasis and young Alex, who was in Toronto last year and now with the Wisconsin Herd in the G League. Um, 
Uh, we haven't gotten more of an update than everybody else has, you know, from the end of the game last night where the uh, the x-rays came back clean. Um, I, I think worst-case scenario, you know, he's got some kind of wrap on that wrist. He's not going to play. But knowing Giannis, he's still going to want to be a part of the action. He's one of those guys I'm talking about with the young guys. He Now, he's not a young guy anymore, but he still brings that useful enthusiasm to this. Um Look, all, all the stars change eventually, not change for the bad, but just change in how, you know, they look at this all-star break. And I still see that youthful enthusiasm from him. So I can still see him out there making his selections, uh, you know, probably not playing, but, you know, we'll see on that front. But I still think he'll be, a, you know, one of the faces here because I know he's part of every night. He's got something going on. I think he's captaining maybe, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it was a celebrity game or, or part of the, the rising stars game. He's got something every night. The league, uh, you know, takes full advantage of his willingness to participate. Mark, what's your favorite event at the all-star game? And we've seen the NBA make changes year after year to the game, but the, the skills events haven't really changed much, especially when you're talking about the slam dunk contest, which, doesn't have your high profile names anymore but my favorite has always been the three-point contest it continues to be where do you stand on which one's your favorite yeah right there with you you know for me uh and it's solely as a broadcaster now and probably even if i wasn't broadcasting it would still be three point but that is that's something you can call it's a challenge but it's a fun challenge Mm -hmm. hey look some guys might be great at describing dunks you know as they happen if they happen, and on the eighth attempt that they try to make it happen. <laughs> but for me, you know, you put 70 seconds on the clock and five racks on the floor, and, you know, you can call that. And, you know, it's a league of three-point shooting, and generally we've been fortunate to have some of the biggest. You know, we had Lillard and Curry a couple years ago. Lillard's going to be back in it this year. Um, you know, so to me, that that should – I always felt that should be the end of the night. You know, clearly – uh, you know, the dunk is apparently, you know, the climax for uh, for the league. But I always thought if we could just end this thing on a buzzer beater, three-point contest winner, like you walk out of the arena happy. You know, you feel like that that's a great way to end the night. You know, they've, they've tried to uh, retool things. Um, I would love to see some of the bigger names, you know, get in on the slam dunk. I, I, you know, I appreciate the athleticism and the youth of the younger guys. And hopefully they can bring something to the table this year. But, yeah, three points for me far and away on Saturday night. Our guest is Mark Kestisher from ESPN Radio, live from Utah, ahead of the NBA All-Star Week. And it's funny, Mark, we were talking about Michael Jordan's 60th birthday today and his epic showdown in the dunk contest with Dominique Wilkins back in the mid-'80s, how incredible that was. And now this year you're talking about Mac McClung, who's a G-leaguer, Jericho (laughs) Sims. I mean, not exactly the most enticing names for an audience to tune into. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, Mark Kestisher alone is enough for me to tune into any game. That goes without saying. But um, what do you make of how the dunk contest has kind of evolved or perhaps devolved into a lot of lesser-known names? Great athletes. I'm not throwing shade at the athletes at all participating, but not exactly the most recognizable names. Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, they've tried to tailor the rules to, you know, make it move so you're not doing the eight, nine, ten attempts. I don't want to throw 
the Birdman, Chris Anderson, under the bus. But I, I think one of my first All-Star games, maybe, you know, 15, 18 years ago, it felt like there were like 17 tries at the same dunk. And then when you finally get it, it's so anticlimactic. You just don't even clap. You want to move on. So that's the key is you got to get it first. There's only so much creativity that you can have. So, you know, bring your best, even if it's, you know, been viewed two million times on YouTube. You know, Mac McClung, in my research here, um, apparently has a great double-clutch reverse jam. That's what he's known for. So, you know, bring it out, nail it on the first try, wow him. Uh, Look, when when Aaron Gordon uh, and Zach Levine, that was up in Toronto, wasn't it? Um, I believe it was Toronto or New York. I can't remember where the second... Yeah, I think it might have been, but I mean, it was epic, and it was that we knew this was what these guys had worked on a long time. If I'm not mistaken, Zach Levine had probably used that dunk in like the McDonald's All-American dunk contest many years ago. But the key was they were nailing it like on the first time, every time, and the athleticism was so breathtaking. And that's the beauty of the dunk contest is when you watch it in slow motion. That's when it's its best. And, of course, we never see that live. You know, it's always after the event. That always gets me when we look back years and years and look at the great dunks. I mean, it's always, you know, five frames per second instead of, you know, normally what the eye can see. And so, you know, to me, if you can nail it on the first, even if I have never heard of Mac McClung or if I don't know K.J. Martin from the Rockets, you know, bring your best, nail it on the first, that'll get the crowd excited. And if you could be fortunate to have two guys, like we had with, uh, you know, Levine and Gordon that one year, then you got something going. Mark, if you had to place a wager on the dunk contest or the three-point contest, who would you mm. be betting on? Man, I mean, the dunk contest, I mean, I don't even know if you can get odds on that one. It's got to oh, be Oh, you, you can get odds on everything, Mark. You can get odds come on to the right place. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, everyone, look, everyone tells me K.J. Martin is an, uh, an incredible athlete. Uh, I've seen Trey Murphy play. I've seen Jericho Sims play. I've actually done games with Mac McClung, both in college and maybe even G League. Um, and he he is kind of a freakish athlete at six two. But I put my uh, I put my hard earned ESPN Radio money on KJ Martin right now. KJ <laughs> Martin and for right. the and, and for the three point contest, I, I'm very biased. Uh, I'm from Albany, New York, and Tommy Herter played for Siena College back when uh, I was in my college years, and I got to know him. And his son, Kevin, who came up with the Atlanta Hawks and now plays with Sacramento, um, Kevin Herter is my dark horse in the three-point contest. I think Buddy Heald is the man to catch, though, if I was to put a wager down. And any competition Damian Lillard is in, I suppose I should not bet against him. But probably Heald Heald and Herter, my uh, law firm. Tyler Hero's plus eight hundred. Yes, Tyler Hero, he can shoot threes. That's a good. I think that's good value. I like that one too, Coco. That's a good point. He, yeah. He's got a he's got a little bit of a bruised knee. I know the the Heat say they're not worried about it. It's a non contact thing, yeah, but you can't you can't um, play in the NBA right now with no, soreness or bruises. And he's out at le- at least three months. Mark. Three months out against the it's, rule. It's, NBA, if you've got soreness or you've got bruises, you can't play anymore. He, he might crazy. be the first ever three-point contest uh, who has a late rule-out because of load management. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would surprise me these days. <laughs> Nothing would surprise me these days uh, in the NBA. Mark, best of luck this weekend. Uh, we'll be listening on ESPN Radio. Of course, we'll be watching as well. 
Me personally, anytime Kester is calling a game, Carlo, turn the sound <laughs> off on the TV, bring up the radio because he does a fantastic job. He's the best. Thank you for, man. Thank you for the doing energy. this for us, Mark. Love the energy, buddy. Carlo, we're going to change that last name to a K because I, I do <laughs> I love a, it. A lot of uh, radio. It's, like, I love it's it. like me being the captain. Instead of the C, I'm putting the K. I like that. Captain oh, on my shirt. I kind of like it. Maybe there in the Russian go. league, you would have exactly. to say that last name. <laughs> exactly. For sure. All right, fellas. Enjoy. Thanks, it. Mark. See you, Mark. Uh, you too, you buddy. Mark Kestisher. ESPN Radio from Salt Lake City, Utah. And he's what right. a beauty. He, yeah, he's a great guy. Mark has a great broadcaster, too. And that, uh, that NBA All-Star Weekend in Toronto, seven or eight years ago, I think it was 2016, was the coldest weekend of all time. Yeah, it was probably Probably the worst um, <laughs> display. Like everyone, no one wants to ever come back to Toronto again. Well, it was also the worst timing to try to sell players to come <laughs> play in Toronto. It's like, okay, well, it's Raptors. You know, they kind of have a good team, and they walk into this, and it's like, yeah, there's no chance I'm signing here. <laughs> it, was a, it, it, it was a bad uh, showcase for Toronto because of the weather. But yeah, I mean, again, to... like I hate when people say Toronto, it's the weather, like. Boston has the same weather. New York, New York has the same Philly. weather. Philly has the yep. same weather. Brooklyn has the same weather. All these teams in the East have the same weather as Toronto. Why is it not an issue to them, but it's an issue for Toronto? Like, it's just such nonsense that people would use that as an excuse not to sign in Toronto. I can understand, okay, it's in Canada. And, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's a different way of life in Canada because it certainly has been the last couple of years. The weather excuse is such nonsense, man. It's really you is. are no, you're spot on, but it's a fact that I mean it was a huge cold spell over the entire East Coast that weekend. But in Toronto, it was particularly freezing. It was unbearable yeah. that weekend. I remember it all too well, all too well. Oh, there's a Taylor Swift reference. Who knew? All right, we've got uh, my FanDuel best bets to conclude. Wow, conclude the week. We've got family day, buddy. Tiger Woods in 30 minutes. Oh, what a weekend! We'll be back to close things out next. Okay, time now for today's Best Bets, brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Okay, I like Mac McClung to win the NBA dunk contest tomorrow night, plus 150 on FanDuel. This guy's going to do things, at least he says he's going to do things, never seen before in an NBA dunk contest, so let's roll with Mac. I'm also on Kevin Herter. I was on Kevin Herter before we talked to Mark Kestesher, and I'm certainly riding with him as well. After we heard Mark talk about Herter, plus 550 on FanDuel. I'm also on the LA Kings. Point night at Anaheim, over three and a half goals. Today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. All right, it's family day weekend. We are off on Monday. Let's bring in... Producer Josh Pulis to the conversation. His first time producing first stop. Great job, buddy. He's ODP. ODP, sorry. Can you give Uh, me some OPP, 20 fingers? Give me some OPP while uh, (laughs) Josh is on the the air. How you feeling, Josh? Four hours down. Not not the easiest gig. eh? It's uh, it's an early morning. I absolutely loved it, boys. It was a good time. (laughs) Great attitude. Attitudes have the battle uh, here as a producer. As a, a TSA, you did Chris, a great job today, buddy. Time to play that. Thank you. Today. Yes, yes, excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Um, all right, so I don't know. Maybe Chrissy can lead us out with a song. There it is, baby. Heading into a Friday. There you go. It's the XFL start of the weekend. Oh, yeah. We've got the Genesis. Let's go Arlington. Family Day Arlington. Weekend. 
Arlington and, uh, and Houston, my official XFL picks as well, by the way. It was another Those great day. Uh, all Request Friday. We did a couple of birthday shout-outs. We did a couple of wedding shout-outs. And uh, we found out a new nickname for our boy, ODP. All right, well, we'll let the music lead us out here. Coley Akavo, you and I will be back on Tuesday morning. Thank you to Josh. Thank you to 20 Fingers. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.